0: I don't know about you. I like cold. Who said that? Oh, who likes cold? You like cold? I thought you said you liked cold. Everybody, I like the cold, man. You know it. Um, I like the heat too, but I just like air conditioning with the heat. So uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of uh, Exodus chapter 34. And we're going to be leaving Exodus today. We're going to be leaving Exodus today. It's given us a really good glimpse of who God is. And it's important for us to operate our lives with a proper glimpse of who God is. Because if we don't have a proper glimpse of who God is, we will create our own ideas. We'll create our own image. And what it'll most likely look like, it will look like a caricature. You know what a caricature is, right? When you go to the carnival and they, pick the, they draw a picture of you and and the character, it's not a portrait. So it's kind of got your features, but they're, uh, some of them are elongated. Your nose is a little bit longer than it was. Your, your face is a little bit narrower, and at points like this, but it, it looks like you, and everybody was like, yeah, that looks like you, but it's really not like a, a picture. You know what I'm talking about? Because it's really important, because i got to tell you something. We are not just saved to go to heaven. That's the truth. I want you to get this out of your head. I don't get saved to go to heaven. I get saved so that I can have a relationship with God. And can I tell you something? I, I heard this one time a long time ago by this guy, John Piper. He said this. He goes, if you went to heaven, and everything you ever wanted was there. Your dogs that you lost, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, all the people you've ever loved, all the things. If you had all unlimited resources, everything you want, and, and unlimited time for you to enjoy all that stuff, would you want to go to heaven if Christ wasn't there? I, when I heard that, I was like, I want to say yes. But you know what came to one side of my mind? Maybe it's just me. I remember Peter. You know what Peter said? G- Peter goes, Jesus goes, I'm going I'm to give myself up. And, and then all these things are going to happen. And you guys are all going to, you're going to duck on me. You're going to run away. And you know what? Peter goes, not me. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm not going to do it. Those guys will, but not me. And Jesus, remember, looked at him. And he goes, oh, Peter. He goes, I know you mean well truth is before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. So you know what? For me, I have to ask myself those questions and I have to be silent because I know what I want, but I also know who I am in my flesh. Amen. I just want to give you this before we start to go into the scripture. We're seeing miracles happening in our midst. I know you're like, oh, come on, come on, come on. No, no, no. We really are. There's a sister who's been coming here for little bit came here with anxiety as you know anxiety is not something that can easily go away you could take many pills go to see many doctors and it doesn't go away it's very persistent and it's gone it's going from her life she recognizes that it's gone not only that she's had some ailments in her throat for the past couple weeks doctors didn't know what it was thought it was a pituitary gland thought it was a thyroid this and that. she couldn't eat well guess what uh, she prayed we She's been praying about it. She's been coming here, trusting in the Lord. Well, what happened yesterday? Her daughter's watching her and going, wait a minute. You've been eating all day long. How's it that you've been eating all day long? You know, you got that bad food. She's like, I don't even know. And it got better without her knowing it. So these are things that are happening. We prayed on uh, Wednesday at the prayer meeting that there was only six of us here, by the way. Only six. Choices. Choices. Right? That's what it's about. Jesus says, come in. Choices. Like this, if I want to date my wife and I want to date other women, I'm going to make choices, <coughs> right? If I want to go to work or I want to be with my family, I have to make choices. can't be in two places at one time. can So anyways, as we're leaving, we prayed for this sister, and she can't get a hold of her daughter, who's I believe in Mexico or in another country. She can't get a hold of her, can't contact her. There's been problems with communication. Not easy to happen. We prayed. And surely enough, two days later, she contacted her mother. Can I tell you something? This is stuff that he has in store for those who are his all the time. All the time. God does these things simply by us coming near and putting our burdens on his lap. And saying, okay, I'm giving it to you and I'm trusting you for it. And I'm going to wait on you to do these things that I'm asking you to do. Or I'm asking you to hold me in them. So I want to just encourage you. uh, Because, you know, I, I say this. With all honesty and with all humility, nobody comes to Christ on a winning streak. Nobody. Man, my bank account's full, I got a job, I'm secure, I have all this and all that. I think I should go follow Jesus. Nobody ever in the history of Christianity ever said that. It always happens when you are realizing the fragileness of this life. That's why Jesus says, It is easier for the camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to follow after me. Does he hate rich people? Mm, I don't think he hates rich people. Money is neither good nor bad. It's right in between. But he's saying when all the world has to offer you is your security and your God, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. And don't overthink that. He's saying it's impossible saying it's impossible. So, all right, Father God, we want to hear from you. We want to see you. I've been praying for two people. There's two people here today. I pray for all of us, but Lord God, there's two people in particular, young people, that I want them to come to know you. I want them at some point when they come here that the lights would go on and them going, I want what you are offering me. I want to follow you. I want to believe in you. I want to trust in you. I want you to save these two young people. I'm asking you, Lord, we ask you, I ask you that you would open up our eyes to the fact that this field that you have put us in is ripe. We can go out and harvest if we're willing to say no here to go there. Please, Lord God, help us to see the value of what's coming rather than the value of what here is here and now, Lord God. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen? All right. So uh, verse 30, chapter 34, uh, after everything happens, the stone tablets are destroyed. God has been angry with his people. He's actually, uh, he's taken the lives of 10,000 of his people because they rebelled. They rebelled. They chose to follow a a God of their own making and it killed them. And uh, now he's kind of walking them through what it is to have relationship with them. And he takes them back to this place because now they're on the precipice of the of the of the promised land. And like I said before the promised land is not a place where all our problems go away. It's not a place place where all of our effort goes away. As a matter of fact, we go in there and there's effort that happens in the promised land. There's effort. I have to resist. I have to fight. We're going to hear it in this scripture. So, it starts out this way. The Lord said to Moses, "Chisel out two stones of tablet like the first ones that I gave you, and I will write on them the words that were there." on the first tablets that you broke. Be ready in the morning and then come up to Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or to be seen anywhere near the mountain, not even the flocks or the herds that may gl- gl- graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first one, went up to Mount Sinai early in the morning, and as the Lord had commanded him, he carried these two stone tablets in his hands, and then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. Now get this, this is glory. And can I tell you something, this is what our hearts long for. Just like that, your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for. You know what, I love the affection of people around me. I love to be welcomed. I love to be uh, brought in uh, and, 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 and welcomed. But there's something that I long for more than that. And that is the welcome and the acceptance of the one who created me. And can I tell you why? Because unless I have that one, the feeling of being accepted by you will always be fragile. You know why? There might come a point where you won't accept me anymore. Maybe I fail you. People do that, you know, from time to time. Or you just start feeling differently about me. And I don't know about you, for me, always been a huge issue. Rejection, bad thing in my life. I've done very destructive stuff when I felt rejected. But you know what, can I tell you something? When I focus on the fact that this God, who is mighty, glorious, awesome, beautiful, so beyond reach, wants to be with me, chose to be with me, that makes a huge difference in my day-to-day life. And I want that to be true for you. So he keeps going forward. Let's read. So he says this, then the Lord came down in the cloud, stood there in front of him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, I am the Lord, he said. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, I am the Lord, I am the Lord, I am compassionate, I am gracious, I'm slow to anger, I'm abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining my love to thousands upon thousands, forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Did you hear that? I don't know if that means anything to you, but that means a whole heck of a lot to me. That means a whole heck of a lot to me. Yet this, listen, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. What? He punishes the children of the children for their sins of their fathers to the third and fourth generation. We're going to talk about that because the reality is we have to see it all in its fullness. Moses bowed down to the ground at once and he worshiped. He said, oh, Lord, if I have found favor in your eyes, then go with us, Lord. Although these people are stiff-necked people, are you stiff-necked because sometimes I, You know what stiff neck means? Think of a a horse or a mule. Now when a horse or, no, think of my dog, Grace. That's stiff neck. Now Grace is the most lovable couch potato dog you'll ever meet in your life, right? But if you take Grace out for a walk, she doesn't want to go out for a walk. She wants to go for a run and then a sniff. So you're like, all right, come on, let's go. All right, come on, let's go. And then you're like, all right, we're going that way. Whoa. You know what I mean? Stiff neck, no matter what I do. They told me I had professionals go, keep treats in your pocket, throw them on the floor. She'll look for your treats. She did it for about two seconds. She's like, squirrel. And that's what she did. And I don't know about you, but for me, kind of sometimes I, I still kind of go in that direction. Yeah. And I know that God sticks with me and Moses understands who we are. And he says, stick with us, Lord God, though we are a stiff necked people. Then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you, Moses, before all the people. I will do wonders never, ever done for any nation in all of the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work of I, the Lord, and I will do it for you. Obey what I command you today, and I will drive out before you the Hittites, the the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites listen, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going or they will be a snare among you. You know what a snare is? It's a trap you don't, aw- not aware exists and it grabs your feet and now you're trapped. He says, make sure that you don't compromise become partners because it'll become a snare for you. You know that that, that only makes sense to us if we understand how attractive being partners with the world really is. You know what I mean? If something's repulsive to me, I never give into it, I never become partners with it. But if I think it's gonna pay off for me, if I think it's gonna be attractive and beneficial and bountiful, and it's gonna prosper me, now it could become a trap. And he's like, don't do this, don't do this. He goes, I want you to break down their altars. I want you to smash their sacred stones. I want you to cut down their Asherah poles. Do not worship any other gods. For the Lord, your God, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Three times, for the Lord, your God, who is Jealous, is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land. For when they worship, they prostitute themselves to their gods. That's why God doesn't want us to be into idolatry. We sell the labor of our lives for that which perishes. Anyone who's been married to someone who after 20 years leaves them in the lurch, taking every good thing and you're standing there, you're like, how could this have happened? Did they ever really love me? Understands that statement. God's like, don't give your heart to these things. They're going to use you. They're going to dry you up. And when you're old, they're going to look for the new model. And they're going to go, sorry, it's time for me to leave. So don't do this. My love is better. It's like the Lou Rawls song. He says, no one will love you like I love you. Man, he says it. He says it to me all the time and he whispers it in me and he reminds me all the time because I forget, I leak, I leak. And then he says this. um, Do not make cast idols. Celebrate the feast of the unleavened bread for seven days. Eat bread without yeast as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time at the month of Abib for I was the one who brought you out of Egypt. Don't allow your daughters to marry with their sons, or likewise, because they will encourage your children to prostitute. That's a strong word. That shouldn't be in the Bible. It shouldn't be in the Bible. God says prostitutes. So unclean. They will prostitute themselves to their gods. And they will lead your children to do the same. Wow. This is powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. He gives this encouragement. He says to them, I love you with a love that's unrivaled. I want to give you something that you've been longing for your whole life. But I know who you are. I know who you are. How many times in our lives have we given our hearts to somebody who proved to us they weren't who we thought they were? Oh, yeah. And what did it do to us? It taught us not to love easily again. Amen? So that's what we're up against here. We live in a world that tells us, Lady, baby, you need me. I got the water you want. And then you drink from it, and you're like, this water makes me sick. It leaves me empty, and I'm dry. And now I'm lost and alone. And where are you? And then Jesus comes and he says, I got the water you want. And your natural human reaction is to go, yeah, yeah, I heard this before. Right? Am I not right? He wants you to trust him. He wants you to listen to him. He wants you to see. Open up your eyes. Allow him to illuminate you to see his goodness. Let's look at some things. Paul said this when he was leaving the place called Ephesus. He goes, I did not fail to preach to you the full counsel of God. Why did he say that? He goes, because I'm leaving and I want you to know that there are people who are going to follow me leaving that are going to come in here and they're going to distort the truth. They're going to pick and choose out of the Bible. They're going to say, hey, this doesn't sell. This does. Let me tell you about that God, and we're going to ignore this one. And you're going to be like, wow, that's so encouraging. I'm floating on clouds when I walk out of here. But then you realize that what you have is a character of God on your wall. Kind of looks like him, but kind of not. And it's dangerous. Because it's only the real God who can save. It's only the real God who can save. Not a facsimile, not a caricature, right? And it's important for us to go there. And then Paul says this, I preach to you the full counsel of God. Therefore, your blood is not on my hands because I know what's going to happen. Many of the people that I taught about the full counsel of God are going to depart from the truth. And he goes, I can't be blamed for that because I told the truth. Anyone who stands in this pulpit has to be able to do that. Anyone who wants to be a leader here, and that is a good thing, must proclaim it and strive to live it, period. Or you have permission for me to resist following. I think it's good that we go through the Old Testament. Why? Because when we understand the gravity and the unwavering seriousness of God's authority and the demands of his holiness, because that's what it is, his holiness is like this light and it shows me things that I don't want to look at. It shows me stuff. I come in and I'm all dressed up and I think my outfit looks great and then I come into the holiness of who he is and I'm like, whoa, whoa. And then I look back at myself and I'm like, wait a minute, there's stains all over my it's really ripped and tattered. It's not as pretty as I thought. I thought I was going to be accepted because of what I wore, the beauty of my clothes, what I adorned myself with. them. And then I come into the presence of God, and I realize, wait a minute, I'm not that pretty. It's like the mirror in your bathroom as opposed to the mirror in your car on a Sunday when it's sunny outside. You know what I'm talking about, right? You look at yourself as you're brushing your teeth, that nice light, like this light, makes you look like you got a little tan, Right? You're like, man, I look okay, man. I shave myself, I look all right. And then you go look at yourself in the mirror in your car and the natural light hits you and you're like, whoa! Where the heck did that thing come from? You know what I mean? Because it shows you things that were previously hidden. And that's what the holiness of God, that's why we go back to, to Old Testament. Not to condemn us, it's to illuminate us. The law was meant to illuminate the fact That we are in desperate need of salvation. It's not just a good decision. Make a good choice. Follow God. No. It's a matter of life and death. To you and everyone you know. And one day the world's going to see it. In all it's vivid reality. But there'll be no place for them to run. That's frightening and it keeps me motivated if i do not see his unwavering authority the gravity of his holiness and the demands of his holiness i will listen never fully grasp grace i cannot understand the love of god the kindness of god the patience of god If I understand the fact, and I'm not speaking of you, I'm speaking about myself. I don't want to insult people. I don't deserve his grace. And I don't think anyone here does either. I can't say to him, well I did this and you owe me. No, that's not true. Truth is he offers me something I don't deserve. But he says, I know, but that's not what I'm saying. But why do you love me? I'll let you know as we go along. But I just want you to know I love you. And this is yours because I want you. That's what I want. I want you. I don't want what you can bring or what you can do or your potential or your treasures or all these different things. I want you. Because if I have you, if I have your heart, everything that's with you comes with you. That's what he said. That's what salvation is. And that's why we go back to the Old Testament. There was a bishop years ago. I want to tell you really quickly. His name was Marcion. He was a bishop in the church for about 150 He was in 150 AD. And he got in touch with this Gnostic teaching. And he taught this thing called Marcionism, where he saw the God of the Old Testament as some kind of a cranky demiurge God that you can't trust. He was just kind of mean, malevolent, and exploitive. And he's like, you know... I think Jesus is another God and he came to save us from that Old Testament God so that we don't have to be under that tyranny. But that's not true. It's a heresy. It's a lie. It's the holiness of God, the seriousness of God, the unwaveringness of who he is and the weight of who he is that drives me to his offer of forgiveness because then when I understand how much I need, I also understand how much I value it. See, see, How many of you, see, this is where I got an edge. But I wasn't just a sinner. I was a real good sinner. I didn't sin because I was broken. I sinned because I loved it. I loved it. I was told by thousands don't go that direction. No. And I can tell you I valued a great many things for my whole life. And then I realized that all those things really didn't mean anything. And I was done. I was empty. I had lost all opportunities. People were turning their backs on me. And you know who the only one who was there? The only one. Jesus. Jesus was there. And I met him. And, uh, and I thought, just like everybody else thinks, I'm like, well, this not for me. It's for that guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. This guy's been doing good things his whole life. It's for that guy. He's a good guy. He took care of his mother. I didn't take care of nobody but me. It's not for me. No, no, no. Jesus comes and he goes, no, no, no. This is for you. This is for you. It's for you. It was made for you. And you know what? I understood it. And you know what? Because I understood who he was and I understood what I did. Now I could see the value of what he did differently. And when you see the value of grace differently. What you do has a different motivation. Does that make sense? When I have things in my hand and he goes, I want you to give, my natural inclination is goes, okay, here. And he goes, okay, if that's what you think it's worth. And then I go, okay, here it is. You understand what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? You can only understand grace if you understand holiness. One of the clearest evidences of our birth, our new birth, is a willingness to praise God for who he is and not who I insist on him to be or what he gives me or how he can benefit me. There are hundreds of churches with thousands and thousands of people, $26 million bonuses uh, uh, budgets because you know why? They teach people that God is here for you to give you what you want. And is that true? Yeah, in a lot of ways. But is that the sole purpose? No, it's not the sole purpose. Because I don't know about you, the things that I want, some are good, and some of the things that I want will lead me to death. Like I told this young man here, I have a tendency to look over on the other side of the fence and go, why can't I have that? Why can't I have that? Why can't I have that? And you know what he says? But when you do that, you forget of all the stuff that you have over here. And if you go over there, you're going to lose all this. And all those people you care about, you're going to kill them. Is that what you want, Tom? And he holds me. He holds me. And he reminds me. And he shows me these things. That's what happens when you understand God in the fullness of who he is. What he does in your life is he prompts things and produces things in your life that no pastor is saying, Here's a list of five things you must do to be a holy person. I will never do that, ever. I can't tell you how to live. It's not my job. But you have the Holy Spirit who can and will. And you know what? He'll never lead you in the wrong way. He will provide for you way more than any human voice or person can give you. Let's keep moving forward. I'm sorry. I'm all passionate today. This was, as I see it, a continual source of tension between God and Israel. God, uh, Israel saw and they perceived what they perceived as a better contract with the nations, the nations that they had with their personal gods and their national gods. So let me explain what I mean by that. So they had the God who really was, who came to them, who rescued them, who came to them, showed them who he was in all its fullness. And they were scared. They were scared. Because they realized, wait a minute, this isn't a God that I can bribe. This isn't a God that I can pay off. This isn't a God who's going to do what I want. This is a God who's going to do what's right. And you know what? He wants to treat me like a father. And he wants to bless my life. And I can submit and walk into that prosperity I could resist and suffer horrible, horrible consequences. But the other gods, they were real easy to follow. You just brought them what they required and they gave you. It was almost like a vending machine. And they're like, why can't we have a god like them? After all, every nation has their own god. See, those gods cooperate with me. This god sometimes fights with me. Does he ever fight with you? Oh, he fights with me. Well, I want to go this way. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. And you know what? I'll still go, okay, I'm still going in that direction. You know what to will do? Shut doors. Move things around. He'll cause me to stub my toe, fall into a hole. And if worse comes to worse, if I keep going in that direction, he'll burn my hands. Make no mistake about it. Keep resisting him. He'll let you burn your fingers off. I know that's not pretty. But I'll tell you this, if it saves you from eternal hellfire, you'll be grateful when you can't see them fingers. And there is a hell that waits for those. He says it, not my words is. I don't want to go to church where you hear about hell. There's other churches that'll tell you about stuff. I can't do it. Truth is, there are many expectations with this God. I want to read for you something. You think that that's new? Oh, that's not godly. Godly people don't think like that. Think again. Think again. The godly people think about it all the time. You know why? Because they're the ones who have to submit. Listen to what this dude said. His name was Asaph. He said, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, oh man, my feet almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. You know why? For I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies, they're healthy, they're strong. They're free from burdens common to man. They're not plagued with human ills. Therefore, their pride's their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous heart come iniquity. Evil conceits their mind with no limit. They scoff and they speak malice against God. But he saw this. Their kids get fat. They send their kids to real nice colleges They get real good jobs. They pay them lots of money. They have wonderful houses. They have great bank accounts, and their flocks are fat and big. They're like, wait a minute. And then he said, surely I said no to those things in vain. Vain. He's like, I followed you, and it was a bait and switch. They're getting blessed. I'm not getting blessed. But then something weird happened to this dude because he was a he was what's called a Kohathite. He belonged to a guild that used to make songs to the Lord. And he went into the sanctuary and he saw the glory of the Lord in the sanctuary. And he said, How beautiful you truly are. And how much more you are worth than all. I repented with tears on my knees because I realized I fell for a pretty face when I really had the best husband ever. Know how many people? I remember I counseled a guy a long time ago. I'm going to leave my wife. 20 years, I'm going to leave my wife. Why are you going to leave your wife? She's never been there for me. I'm empty this and that. Ba, 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 ba. There's this other girl. I feel like I could add this. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you right now, don't do it. Fix this marriage. You don't understand. She won't listen. Ba, 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 ba. I go, listen, dude, I'm telling you right now, if you really is, you'll leave her to grab her, and you'll lose her, and you'll lose her. And then you know what? You'll be 65 because you're already 50 and 10 years goes real quick at this point, and you're going to be alone. And you're going to think to yourself as you're sitting in a bar at 3:30 in the afternoon, why did I choose that? See, that's called consequence. See, God's not a God with a giant hammer waiting to hammer us. He's like, "Please don't go this direction. You don't want what comes down at the end of this road. Just listen to me. just listen. To Let's keep moving forward. It seems reasonable to a natural mind that those who pick their own gods have a much easier journey in life. If pleasure or comfort or independence is your God, if success is your God, worship is easy. Because at the end of the day, false gods are just, listen, backdoor methods of you worshiping you. False gods are a backdoor method of me worshiping me. When I give my wife, who's great but not super 20 years old anymore, for the 20-year-old model, just using that, not going to (laughs) happen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You know what I'm doing? I'm grabbing that 20-year-old because I'm thinking she's going to give me something that's going to fill my empty heart. Then, when I get her, I realize she can't fill my empty heart. And that girl will go, I don't know what you want, but I don't have it. I'm leaving you to yourself. See what I'm saying? That's the truth. That's the truth of things. True worship seeks to say no to me so that I could say yes to him in every way. You know what I want to put up here? Signs, 30, 60, and 100. Everyone who's a real believer will produce a yield of 30, 60, or 100. Where do you want to be? I don't know about you. I want the 100. I was 100% sinner, and I know what it gave me. I want to be the 100 guy. Some people will be okay with 30. And you know what I think? They're the person who don't quite understand the holiness of God. And they don't understand, therefore, how wicked and desperate their heart is apart from grace. I could prove it. All right, let me tell you why. There's a story. Jesus goes into uh, this place. City starts to do his miracles, right? Uh, I got about 10, 15 minutes. 15 minutes, Jason, don't come in quicker. So he's sitting there, this guy. Simon, he's a Pharisee. He's a big shot. He goes, Jesus, I want you to come over to my house, right? Because I want, uh, uh, you know, just, just eat with us so that we can get to know you. Jesus knew it wasn't, a, it wasn't an invite. It was a, it's an interrogation, right? So this guy was looking for a reason to say, you know what, this Jesus, he's a fraud. Don't, don't listen to him. So Jesus is sitting there, right? And, you know, Simon's asking him some questions, and Jesus is answering And he's all humble. Jesus is real humble. He's cooperative. And then there's this woman who kind of sneaks her way to the front because that's the way it would have looked. It would have been an open house. It would have been in the courtyard. So this woman, everybody's allowed in the city, comes in. But she's not just any woman. She's a prostitute. This is a moral crowd. These people think that they are loved by God because they're good people. And she comes in, and I can tell you, when they saw her, they were like, what on earth is she doing here? And she keeps her mouth shut, keeps her hair over her eyes, and she sits quietly in the corner. Why? Because she just wants to get close to Jesus. I don't even know her name. But all I know is this, she waves it. People, you know what, you ever been in a crowd where they're kind of whispering about you. You know they're whispering about you. You know who that is, right? You know what they did over there. You know where her mother was. I know her sister and this girl over here. And she slept with this guy's husband. And she can hear it. And they're like, yeah, I know who she is. I wish she wouldn't even be here. What a filthy person. What makes her think that she can come here and God's going to accept her? This is supposed to be a holy thing. We're wanting to see if this is guy's from God. And what does she do? She gets up silently walks over to Jesus and she gets right down and she picks up his feet and she starts to cry but she don't just cry she weeps so much that her tears clean Jesus' filthy dirty feet and then she takes her hair and she dries his feet with her hair and Simon is blown away. What on earth are you doing? This woman is a prostitute. You're a holy guy? Oh, that was the smoking gun I was looking for. No way a holy guy would let her touch you. Jesus knows exactly what Simon's thinking, right? and he goes, "Simon, you know when I came here last in the morning, you know, you didn't even welcome me with a kiss. This woman, she hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came here." And then he says, "You know, Simon, you never you never washed my feet when I sat down, which is common. It's like a common thing. It's like you saying, to a friend who comes over, come on, sit on my couch. That's what it's like. You. Nobody came into another person's house without someone washing their feet. Nobody washed his feet. And he goes, you know, you never wash my feet. But her, she washed my feet with her tears. And she dried it with her hair. And he goes, you know what, Simon? You never, you never put oil on my head like is common. But she put, now get this, $13,000, because that's what it would have been today. A $13,000 bottle of Spikenard. And she poured it all on his feet. Thirteen grand. He goes, she poured it all on my feet. Do You know how she had to work to get that bottle? Because I know what she had to do. You do too. And he goes, let me ask you a question. Who loves me more? He goes, you know what they say, Simon? The truth is, those who have been forgiven little, they, they love little. It's like, oh, I'm a partner with God. I can do what I want, come and go as I want. Well, I want to give two instead of ten. Uh, I want to go here instead of there. I really don't have time to be a part of the small groups because I'm over here, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. After all, it's just volunteer work. It's just volunteer work. That's all it is. Right? I just give what I want because that's basically what Christianity is. Not to her. You know what was to her? She was a prostitute who felt alone and separated from God. And she meets God and all she can get is, my daughter, I have loved you from before the beginning of creation. And you know what she did? 13,000? why? When we come into the holiness of God, we see the holiness of God, we see who we are, we understand that we have been forgiven much. And when we forgive much and been forgiven much, we love extravagantly. Sadly, not just this generation, every generation in the church fails to love God extravagantly. That's what it means to be the light. Light of the world is not like, I'm a Christian. Let me quote to you all the scriptures I can give you. Let me, let me tell you how, my, how much I know about the Bible. Let me tell you about my gift. No, you know what it's like? Let me love God extravagantly. Let me love Jesus extravagantly. Because you know what happens when you love Jesus extravagantly? You love other people extravagantly. It somehow just happens. And then they come in and they're like, wait a minute. This is really what life is about. It's not about me getting me taken care of. Really, I get blessed when I give myself away. That's crazy. Crazy. So now we understand why we must come into the presence of God like this. When we come into the presence of God like this and we see his holiness and we see our lacking, we see uh, the, the, the need we have, we want to love with extravagance. Okay, this produces a couple things in us. This is where it's going to get really great for us. Okay. First thing that it does is when I see God in his fullness and I experience grace in its fullness, I realize my greatest treasure is God and not heaven or healing or my marriage restored or my children blessed or any other number of things. I treasure him most. You know why? Because I really get how much his love benefits me. And of all the things you want, it's love. Absolute love. Truth is, and this is our truth, you're only gonna get a sample of it here. Whoever you're with, great person, not great person, you're only gonna be able to give you this much, But he fullness and you know the truth is because we're imperfect it takes us eternity to understand it in its fullness you get that so i want you to remember that the greatest treasure for those who understand grace is that you see god as the treasure he's not a mechanism nor is he the route that we use to get a reward he is the reward remember what he says he said it to moses i am your provision What does that mean, I am your provision? That means he knows you like no one else. Told someone that today. Someone who feels very, very rejected in their nature. Does anyone else here have a struggle with rejection in their life? I do. It kills me. Absolute kills me. And you know what? Do I still struggle with it? Yes, but the only thing that anchors me is that I know the truth. I know that he accepts me, and it's not because of something I offer. It's because of a decision he makes. Mm. Now, because he is my provision, he becomes my trusted father. Because he is my my trusted father, this is beautiful. He understands my insecurities. Do you have insecurities? I could get nine people to tell me, Pastor, that sermon spoke directly to me, I'll get one email from a name I don't even know that says you were harsh, you said stupid, and I can't believe you're a pastor, and it'll ruin me. Focus on that one. Anyone else with me? But my God knows it. My God knows my insecurities. You know what? My God, who's my father, understands my exhaustion. I said it to them the other day. I go, Lord God, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do this anymore. And he says, I want you to trust me. Your strength can't do it. Trust me. Well, how long are you going to wait? I Remember, I asked him. He goes, until you're all out of energy. I'm like, I'm afraid. He goes, of course you are. Because he's my father, he understands my anxiety. This is a world that will produce anxiety. Yeah? Because he's my father, he understands my guilt and what that does to me. Because he's my father, he understands my grief. Because he's my father, he understands my dissatisfaction with the world that promises me things and, and my desires that I can never. Does anybody else in this world feel dissatisfied? I do. I feel like I should be further along at my work. I feel like I've worked and proved myself only to have someone get in line in front of me. That's what this world can offer me. He says, I know it, son. I know it. I want you to trust me. Just keep trusting me. What I have for you is far better. Far better. This should encourage us. His favor for the ones that he loves means that he puts my best interest to the forefront, even to the point of extreme cost and sacrifice. You know what, sadly? Even our own earthly fathers didn't do that perfectly. I had a good one. But he didn't do it perfectly. No father does it perfectly. You know what I feel like I told someone today, and I love this guy. I told him, I go, you know what I feel like my job is with my kids? Because i motivated and I parented like my parents did. You know how my parents parented? Mm, Through insult and threat. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And you know what? I did it with my kids. Insult and threat. And by God's grace, my son hated my guts for a long time. Long time. He confessed something one time at a prayer meeting. (laughs) I, I literally couldn't breathe. It was about me about me. And I was like, oh, I cried. I cried so hard. And you know what I feel like my job is now? Is to let them know that I love them. Not because my daughter's a math teacher. And not because my son is now an IT director. And not because they gave me a great grant son, and not because my daughter gets all A's at DePaul, and not because my other one is in the advanced class in architecture, and I'm grateful. They're like their mother and not like me. (laughs) But I love them because they're mine. And even if they fail, I won't change my mind. my daughter said there was an incident. Sometimes in church you get hurt, amen? Uh, Some Christians turned on my daughter you gotta forgive them. After you want to choke them. And I wanted to choke these people. I wanted to give them baptism for seven minutes. Oh. But no, 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 can't do that. Gotta love them. That means every day I'd see them and I'd have to hug the one guy, and I was like, Oh, oh do I want to hug you, bro? And you know what? My daughter said to me in the shower, she goes. Thank you for having my side. And I go, I'll tell you, her name is Hannah. I go, Hannah, even if you were guilty, I would have told you you were wrong, but you'd still, I'd still be on your side. If you robbed a bank, praise God they don't. I'll take you to the police station, but I'll visit you in jail every day. an extravagant love that demands an extravagant response. Let's stand up.
1: How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my living hope yes you are who could who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace The God of ages stepped out from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Yes, he did. The cross has spoken, I am forgiven, the King of kings calls. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. We lift it up, and hallelujah, praise the one who sets me free, hallelujah, death has lost its grip on. every chain their salvation in your name Jesus Christ my living hope then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the great has no claim.
0: hold hands because that's what we do we're one we are one we don't just attend church we are the church that means we strive to be in unity with one another we strive to have intimacy with one another we want to spend time with one another I want you to join in prayer with me there's two teenagers here today and I want them to come to me And I don't know. I don't have the ability to know whether they are they're not. They're listening or not. I don't know. I have no power in myself. I don't. I'm just the proclaimer of the truth. That's all I am. But I know this. Jesus says this. Anyone whom I call answers and anyone who comes to me, I will never turn away from them. I pray for those two people and I want you to pray with me for them. I want you to ask God that you break down the barriers that prevent them from saying yes. And because there is, it's prevent, barriers, they might have been lied to. They don't believe that there's any goodness anymore. They've been rejected too many times. They feel empty and alone and nothing helps. This is just another empty promise. They believe it even at that young age. The world's waiting for them. Tell them all the sweet little lies that we know they say. And they're going to destroy them. Leave them empty. I want God to rescue them from this. Father God, we pray. We pray that this would be a place of salvation. Not just feelings, good vibes, great music, wonderful cr- crowd and atmosphere. We want to encounter the living God that heals our illnesses, spiritual and physical sit in the presence of God who fills us to the uttermost. We want a God who heals the brokenness of our deepest injuries in our hearts and in our consciousness. We want a God who is able to make those terrible things that are tragic in our life become victories. Victories. We pray for these two young people that they would not resist anymore that it would be so compelling that your beauty would be so compelling that they simply cannot say no lord god because we are yours we can ask this in your name you told us we can do it we do this lord god with one voice and in one heart not only for them but for all who come here because we want this to be a place where the dead come to life We pray this, Lord God, asking for a greater and greater extravagant love because of your great and extravagant grace. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and the saints said, amen. Love somebody today.